Talk Radio 96.7. No, we are not headed down south. We are staying right here and talking sports in the Ozone. Brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors and Going 406. Let's do it, Ronnie O. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone. And I know that music means that Eric Clark is going to let us borrow his yacht. So we're going to be taking a Caribbean cruise anytime on the Clarkster's yacht. I just know it. Keep dreaming, sucker. <laughs> uh, Ronnie O and Coach Joe here in the Ozone talking sports. The number to call us is 682-1430. That's 682-1430. If you're technologically inclined, you can reach us at ozone at hallradio.net. want to remind everybody, tomorrow morning, 7 a.m., the four Lakeland Rotary Clubs are sponsoring their 11th annual Salute to Veterans Breakfast. It's going to be at 7 a.m., Heritage Baptist Church, 4202 Pipkin Creek Road, and here in Lakeland, free to all veterans, and it includes a commemorative coin. Others are welcome at $10 apiece. There'll be a buffet breakfast, and that's going to be catered by Mission Barbecue. Well, a lot of football coming up right here on the Hall Communications stations Saturday. Florida State's going to host NC State, 4 o'clock kickoff, 2 o'clock pregame. The Gators will travel to Columbia, South Carolina to take on the South Carolina Gamecocks. 7.30 kickoff, 4.30 pregame on WONN. That's uh, 12.30 a.m. and 101.7 FM. 107.1, I'm sorry. And then the Bucks are going to be right here on WLKF 96.7 as they travel to Washington to take on the Washington football team. 1 p.m. kickoff, noon pregame. Coach Joe, I saw this, and I thought it was kind of funny. The Tennessee Volunteers have been under NCAA scrutiny, and they've self-imposed, they're going to self-impose some sanctions on themselves. And to me, that's like telling your kids to spank themselves. <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous well, to me. I don't think you should tell your kids to do that. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, but no, that, that's under the Jeremy Pruitt uh, yes. era there, who, by the way, was who Tennessee settled for when they couldn't get Dan Mullen. So the, those of you Gator fans who don't who are upset about Mullen, just remember, it, it, we could have ended up with Jeremy Pruitt. We could have ended up with Chip Kelly. We could have ended up with Scott Frost. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. We got the best end of this deal. And I know people aren't too too excited this season, but – Look, three straight years of New Year's New Year's Six bowl games, and they're a little bit off this year. But they lost a lot of NFL talent, and they've got some really promising, good young players. Let's see how this season plays out before we decide that this change has to be made or that change has to be made. A lot is still riding on these on these upcoming games. The Gators need to reestablish themselves for what they are—a good team. They're not a great team; that they're a good team. And they can develop into a great team, hopefully. Uh, and just remember, no matter what happens, we're not Tennessee. So I think we're better off there you with go. that. And we're going to have Robbie Andrew, who retired from the Gainesville Sun. That guy's been to hundreds, well, maybe not hundreds. I don't know. He's been to a lot of Gator games and knows a lot about it. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what Robbie has as far as his take on this. And, and you know, one of the things I've noticed is that you know, if you get somebody affiliated with the university, they're not likely to say anything derogatory because their employment might depend upon it. 
So <laughs> Robbie is no longer employed by the Gainesville Sun. He retired. So it'll be interesting to see what he's got to say. But let's go ahead and take a break. And we come back, we'll have Robbie Andrew, formerly of the Gainesville Sun, and we'll be talking sports, mainly about the Gators. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Hello out there. This is Henry Lawrence from the Oakland Los Angeles Raiders, three-time Super Bowl champion, and you are listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone. All right, Ronnie Owen, Coach Joe right here in the Ozone this Thursday evening. Talk Radio 96.7, the Ozone brought to you by Going 406, where you can swing for the fence, and by Allied Scrap Processors, turning scrap metal into cash. All right, that's Palmetto, Florida's Henry Lawrence. Let me correct something. The Bucks do not travel to Washington this week. That's on November 14th. So let me correct myself on that. One thing I did get right is we've got with us the legendary Robbie Andrew. Robbie, welcome to the Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Good to talk to you again. Oh, it's our pleasure. Uh, Have you ever sat down and calculated how many Gator games you covered in your career? No. um, Ronnie, last um, I went on a radio show to talk about the Florida-Georgia game. I added those up I'd covered or been to including as a growing up and as a reporter, 50 of them. So. Wow. <laughs> Wait a minute. You're That's... 29 years old. How did that happen? <laughs> yeah, I don't know how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's a lot of years and a lot of games, really. It's uh, unbelievable when you go back and count them all. Uh, well, Robbie, uh, you had a long and illustrious career with the Gainesville Sun, and uh, you and Pat Dooley rode off into the sunset together. And, you know, I thought it was quite an honor they took you guys down on the field and honored you, and uh, I don't think every reporter that covered the Gators has had that honor. No, they they did us right, Ronnie, and it was a great send-off. And like Dooley and I were kidding the other day, they might want to try to bring us back because since we left, they've had, their record's awful. So, <laughs> <laughs> Dooley and I are taking credit, so they need to get us back, I guess. Well, speaking of that, the Gators going to be a little thin up there in Columbia at quarterback. Um AR-15, it sounds like he may have suffered a concussion. In his... Yeah, he did. He did, Ronnie. And I doubt he hadn't practiced all week from what I hear, so I doubt if he's going to be available. Oh, man. Well, I guess the question is, all right, Emory Jones will get the start, but if Emory were to get hurt, would it be Carlos Del Rio Wilson or Jalen Kitna that would come in? Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the first one you mentioned is the next in line, I think. I think that he's warmed up a few times, so – he would be the next one in. So they're, they're going to definitely want to keep Emory healthy in this game. So you have to wonder how many of you know, the quarterback design runs they're going to go with just to kind of protect them a little bit if you can. Our guest tonight, Robbie Andrew, formerly of the Gainesville Sun, one of the great sports writers of all time. 682-1430 if you want to join us as we talk college football tonight. 682-1430 here in the Ozone. Hey, Robbie, Coach Joe here. Uh, two of those hey, 50, hey, two of those fifty games I bet you've been to would include two thousand and seven and two thousand and seventeen. Both times the Gators ended up losing to Georgia, uh, but they were and both times the defense couldn't stop Georgia. But there were two different situations. Two thousand seven was a team uh, learning to win and on the verge of a championship with the pieces in place just not quite there. 2017 was the bottom falling out of the program. 
this year's 2021 team? Closer to 2007 or closer to 2017? I think closer. It's somewhere in between, Coach Joe. And because you take away, to me, Florida competed pretty well against Georgia, except for the final 215 of the first half, where, you know, in the bottom line is the, the defensive back takes the knee on the pick and they take the ball in the 20 instead of the one-yard line. Maybe you run out the, the clock in the first half and you get out of there down 3 nothing. But, you know, we all know what happened. The fumble, interception, interception, pick six, and the game was basically over at the halftime. So, but, yeah, 2007, you had a lot of young guys on defense, so you knew they were going to get better. You had Urban Meyer coaching, and you had Tim Tebow at quarterback. So you knew that better days were ahead. In 2017, you didn't know that. And now, you know, I'm not sure where they're at now in terms of getting excited about the future. And I think that a lot's going to depend on what happens in these last four games, where if you can build momentum and get better quarterback play, you've got something to kind of hang your hat on and get ready for the future. But, you know, right now it's more like 2017. Yeah, you know, that's uh, and that's not a good situation. 2017 was as bad a situation as we've ever seen. But I think yeah. the Gators got fortunate in that they ended up uh, getting Dan Mullen compared to what they could have had back uh, what was available then. Oh yeah, and, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, and and I think that he's done a good job. Now the question is uh are they has he lost his grip on this and uh it's it's sliding away? Or is this just a step back on on the way up? I think it's probably a step back, Coach Joe. But, uh, you know, he, the thing is, uh, the concern among some people I've talked to is that if you wonder if Dan Mullen has reached his ceiling here at Florida, that, you know, make it to Atlanta, and that may be as far as you can get. And, you know, he had a ceiling at Mississippi State, but it was okay to win eight, nine games a year and go to a bowl game. But that's not going to be good enough at Florida. So, you know, some people are just worried, can he get it over up to the next – level i think if he can recruit better and make a change on defense a couple of changes there and other places i think that he could get it rolling back in the right direction robbie ronnie oh again one of the things i've said just what you were just saying is that in starkville you win eight games you get a parade in gainesville you win eight games it's a funeral procession yeah they want to fire you (laughs) yeah exactly exactly let me ask you this let me give you two scenarios all right yeah the gators win out they go eight and four, regardless of what happens in the bowl game. You know you've got some hope. All right, what? Let's say they lose to South Carolina and FSU. What? What happens with Dan Mullen if that happens? Is there any danger of him being fired this year? I don't think Ronnie this year. I think he's going to be given this year, regardless of what happens. And I think you'll see him start the season after making changes. See what happens there, but. You know, if that continues to to play out next year, then he will be on the hot seat. But I don't think he's on the hot seat right now in terms of Scott Strickland looking for his job or anything like that. But, you know, if they lose to South Carolina and FSU, it's just going to end up lead to another probably going to be a disastrous recruiting year because of that. And then who knows after that, you've really lost total momentum at that point. Yeah, you're exactly right. And, you know, one of the things that that is so terrible is that this staff's not done a good job of recruiting with Florida State and Miami, both being in being dumpster fires, really, up to this point, and they haven't taken advantage of that. And then Dan made the comment that he did about recruiting. And what's your opinion of cutting off the media access? Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, coaches are going to do that occasionally. They want their say they want their team to get focused and not worry about having to do other things. So I, I'm okay with that. But you know, and 
what he said on Monday really was taken way out of context, but you know, he should have had a better better take on that and kind of addressed a little bit and talked about, you know, we got new facilities that are about to be finished and it's gonna be give us momentum in recruiting. He should have done that instead of just kind of blowing it off, I think. Robbie, the the uh, I've noticed this week scathing articles have come out about the Gators uh, and about Dan Mullen. Specifically, I want to point to something in The Athletic from our, our friend of the show, G. Allen Taylor, who wrote about uh, a number of coaches, anonymous ones, of course, from the SEC East, assistant and head coaches perhaps, who yeah. talked about how soft the Gators were, how uh, they're not that good. And, you know, they've had a lot of trouble in the offensive line. I've never got the impression that they were soft like they were under McIlwain, where they were out of condition and they were pushed around. Uh, what's your opinion on that, though? Yeah, I don't, I don't. I wouldn't say soft. I think the offensive line has had struggles at times, but it's much better than a year ago. And despite all the criticism about what's going on in Florida, the offense is among the top ten in the country right now in terms of yards and points per game. So, you know, yeah, they've had problems there, but it's not like they're they're awful on offense. And granted, they don't have a lot of, a lot of great speed on the edge with the receivers. But offensively, they've done pretty good except the turnovers. The turnovers have killed them. You, you know, the, the quarterbacks, both Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson, have looked good at times. Uh, I think Emory's been the more steady of the two. But when he's on, Anthony Richardson has been absolutely incredible. Uh but they're interceptions. They're throwing way too many of them. How much yeah. of that, though, is on the receivers, who've not been that impressive this season? But I, I think if you went back, Coach Joe, and looked at the tape, I think you would see that most of those were bad calls on the quarterback. Bad reads, throwing throwing too late to the receiver that was open at the time, but then not by the time the ball got there. So I think a lot of it has, is due to inexperience of quarterback, but... Uh, you know, Emory Jones, when he came out of the Tennessee game after he played like he did, I thought he was about to really take off and become this dynamic player everybody expected, and then it just didn't happen. Well, that's true. I mean, it definitely is inexperienced. And, and he hasn't been that bad this season, I don't think, other than the no, interceptions. And it, yeah, and at times he's been really good. I mean, the drive he had against Georgia was really impressive. You know, and the, look at the Alabama game. They pretty much dominated the final three quarters, and he – Played great and got him back in the game. They were a missed extra point and you know, going to overtime. So well, let me he's ask, had his moments. It's just a matter of being more consistent and not making the dumb turnovers. Let me ask you about the mentality of this team because this goes to the coaching. And they're they're not soft in terms of physically, but they responded so well to the adversity against Alabama. I was very impressed by the team, even though they got beat yeah. that day. They have not uh, responded near as well when they're on the road at Kentucky, at LSU, or in Jacksonville. When they, when they had adversity, they kind of fell apart and made things worse. Uh, is is this just the situation because of the matchups and their inexperience? Can, is this going to be a problem when they have to go to places like South Carolina and Missouri? Yeah, yeah, it definitely could be because these are those are games that you could lose if you don't play well. But the thing to me that sticks out when you, you talk about Florida and adversity this is a team that doesn't seem to play really hard all the time. And, I mean, you look at other teams around the country, you'll, you'll see, even if they're losing, like when Miami was struggling, FSU, at least they were playing hard and really playing physical. And I haven't seen that from this Florida team. And, you know, this is a team that I thought would get better every week, but it just hasn't happened. Robbie, the defense hasn't seemed to gotten many turnovers. The offense has turned it over a lot. The defense hasn't gotten a lot of turnovers. What do you attribute that to? 
Yeah, like I said, Ronnie, you know, they're, I don't think they're playing real hard and they're not flying around playing with a lot of emotion. That's when you get turnovers, when you got guys flying around, flying to the football and making stuff happen. They just haven't been real physical at the point and they haven't done a great job as far as just getting the ball together and making something happen. It's just been kind of sit back and try to defend and not really make anything happen. Is, you know, this, is this an overreaction to them being so undisciplined last year, being too conservative this year? Yeah, I, you know, his game plans, I'm talking about Todd Grantham, they do seem a little bit vanilla right now. That They're not doing a whole lot of stuff. And I think part of that is because they've got a lot of inexperience at, at linebacker. And I think the key thing here was Ventrell Miller getting hurt out for the year has been really, really tough on this defense. That He was their leader, true middle linebacker, and they don't have one like anyone like him right now. Well, that's a great point, Robbie. And Diabate – you know, he's a kid that seems to give a lot of effort, but he looks like he weighs about maybe 225 at the most. Yeah, he needs, he's the guy that needs to be on the edge. Remember, as a freshman, he made plays come off yes. the edge, and they need him to get back out there. Yes. Right now, they, they can't do it because they don't have anybody else to put in there for him. You know, one thing I don't understand, and, you know, I know you can't play running back if you're not going to block in a passing game, but it would yeah. seem to me that you've got two guys, Lorenzo Lingard and Demarcus Bowman, that – we know have speed and are elusive, and yet they haven't played at all. Really, I haven't seen them play since um, no, the USF the game. Year. And you would think that there, you could put a guy like that in for one play or two plays, yeah. throw him a bubble screen or do something to try to get some speed. We don't seem to have any playmakers yeah. on offense. Yeah. Well, Naquan Wright has done done some things, and Malik Davis has. And the thing, Ryan, if you look at it, that is a really talented and crowded running back right room right now and it's hard to get reps i mean look at how good damian pierce has been when he gets the ball but he only gets the ball about five or six times a game so you know it's been hard they got to share the rock and it's been you know nobody's getting a whole lot of carries and guys that aren't doing great in practice aren't seeing the field at all so when is the robbie andrew book going to come out <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i haven't thought about that one you let Dooley write all these books and you've got as much <laughs> experience as he does yeah, true. That's true. I need <laughs> so, a good agent. That's what it is. So what is Robbie Andrew doing now? Well, uh, Ronnie, so, so I'm an old dad. I still have two kids in high school. So I'm kind of like Mr. Mom right now around the house. I do laundry, take care of everything, <laughs> taxi driver. Yeah, I'm doing some free, freelance stuff and some radio, which I'm doing now, and doing a podcast with Dooley occasionally. So I'm doing enough to stay busy, but not too busy. You know what I mean? Well, we appreciate you doing some radio with us tonight, Robbie. Uh, Robbie Andrews has been our guest. Uh, Before you go, expectations. A lot's been talked about how high the Gators' expectations are among their fans. All three of us have been uh, following Gator football long enough to know what are realistic expectations and what aren't. Robbie, what are realistic expectations for the finish of this year and the recruiting uh, class coming forward? Well, I think, Coach, the expectation now is to – Get the get your stuff back together, start playing better on offense, especially the quarterback. Win these four games and get some momentum going. Which, if you can do that, you know it'll help help recruiting, and that'll take care of another problem right there. And then I think Gator fans are expecting a change at defensive coordinator. I think that's something that Mullen is going to have to address and, and make the tough call there, and you know go a different direction. So, to me, that's the expectation right now. 
Well, we we, uh, we expect uh, that uh, we, you'll come back on the show with us again soon as we see what happens with the Gators and continue to follow them at, at going this year and, and going forward. And thanks so much for joining us tonight. Oh, yeah, my Robbie. pleasure. It was great talking to you guys again. Thanks, Robbie. Get back to okay, that laundry now. Okay, we'll do. <laughs> All right, the great Robbie Andrew with the Gainesville Sun. I'll tell you what, what a gentleman he is and what a great writer he's been over his career. So uh, we're great. We were so nice to have him. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Talk Radio 96.7, taking you through some sports in the Ozone. The Ozone brought to you by Going 406, letting you swing for the fence, and by Allied Scrap Processors, turning scrap metal into cash. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe back in the Ozone, and with us on the phone is our NASCAR guru, the lovely and talented Holly Kane. Holly, welcome back to the Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe. Thanks for having me. Big week. Oh, yeah. We're down to the last race. The NASCAR guys are going to go out to Phoenix, and we got Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott with the Hendricks Motorsports team, Martin Truex Jr. with Joe Gibbs, and Denny, ha- Denny Hamlin with Joe Gibbs. So we've got two of the best teams in the sport competing here, and you got Truex and Chase Elliott have both won championships. Any advantage in that for them? Well, you know uh... – Today was the all-important media day out in Phoenix where all of the championship four drivers were talking. And, you know, the way that Chase was really kind of holding himself, I think he carries himself as, you guys have to take this from me. I think he feels very confident. He won the race last year, won the championship. But he's got a whole lot of motivated guys coming after him this weekend for sure. Holly, uh, last week at Martinsville, Denny Hamlin and Alex Bowman a little clash on the track. Do you think there'll be any carryover into this week's race? I don't think that the two of them are necessarily going to go at it. I think Alex Bowman, you know, I have a lot of respect for him. And I, I think that most of the drivers, all of the drivers know, let the championship be decided by those four. Don't be a part of something that costs someone over you know, whatever grudge you might have from a different week. So I really don't think that's going to come into play. I don't think Alex Bowman is that kind of person. So I think that they will race for it. And, uh, you know, the, the thing is, it's different in NASCAR than all the other sports is. These four guys have a chance to win the championship, but the rest of the field is still racing for the race win. So it's not like it's just the four of them out there. So, you know, that always remains to be seen what could happen. Last year, however, the four drivers that were racing for the championship finished one, two, three, four in the in the race. Our guest tonight, Holly Kane. We're talking NASCAR 682-1430, 682-1430, because this is the weekend of the NASCAR Cup Series Championship. They're just going to race it at Phoenix. And, uh, you know, uh, sorry, we haven't had you on in a few weeks. I kept waiting for Joey Logano to win a race, <laughs> <laughs> And uh, finally, we ran out of time because we're here at the big, the big championship race. So Joey's not going to be – he's in the race, but not going to be part of the top four. Uh, as Ronnie mentioned, they're Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, Martin Truex, and Denny Hamlin. Now, the, basically, the format is whoever is the best of those four wins the cup, right? Right. And they don't have to win the race. It's just whoever finishes best of those four wins the championship. So uh, in light of that, uh, Denny Hamlin, he's 
suddenly hot now. He's raced well all year long, and he, he finally won a couple of races uh, to advance to the final four. So he seems to be the one who's doing pretty well. I, I like him the best. Tell me why I'm wrong. Well, I don't think that you're necessarily wrong, but here's the deal. Denny Hamlin is 40 years old. This is his fourth, maybe fifth, I'm not looking at my stats right in front of me, chance to win the championship here, and he hasn't done it yet. So I think of the four, he has got to be the most motivated, and that's because he's been doing this the most years. Martin Truex Jr., his teammate, is also 40. He won the championship before with that. It's a great story with that Furniture Row private team. He won that several years back. So he's got one. I think Denny comes in super motivated and and really challenged for the regular season title all year and lost it at the very end to Kyle Larson, who is a nine-race winner and absolutely goes in as the favorite to win the race. So I think Denny... Uh, you know, he's never been more motivated. You can't take for granted your opportunity to win, especially when you're 40 years old. So he's got a lot of that. And, and, you know, it's interesting today during the press conferences, he was extremely, um, I don't know, aggressive might not be the right word, but, you know, he was out there. He makes no bones about it. He's ready to win. He doesn't care if people are mad because he got in a tough last weekend with, with some other driver. He's ready to win, and I think he sees this as, as the chance. Holly, this is a 750-horsepower track. Talk about the difference in the setup for the cars if it's a 550 track versus a 750 track. Well, certainly there are guys that have done better. I will tell you this. Martin Truex Jr. has four wins this year, and all four have come on the 750-horsepower track. So he feels like this package works to his benefit. He won at Phoenix where they're racing. He won there in March. And so he's somebody that feels really good about it, too. So it's just a different, um, obviously a different engine, but a different setup in the car. And and some guys do better with it. They've all done well with it. And, uh, you know, in, in the case of Martin Truex, all four of his wins this year have come with that package. You mentioned that Hamlin has never won a championship. So do you think that um, Truex might defer to him if he if the opportunity presented itself to let Hamlin win? Not a chance. <laughs> <laughs> no way. In fact, I think Martin Truex is kind of like going in there as a real underdog, the guy that no one's really talking about. And um, he's got a lot of, you know, you can make a lot of arguments for it to be just the opposite. You know, of the three, Kyle Larson is the only one that has never won at Phoenix before. So, you know, there's there's a lot of great intrigue and, and cases that could be made for each one of these guys. I think it was Joe Gibbs was asked about uh, certain altercations, and he always says he lets the drivers work that out on the track. <laughs> so it should be interesting yeah. between Martin Truex and Danny Hamlin. Probably no no pre-race instructions on um, working together, just uh, uh, not doing anything crazy, I imagine, right? Not at this point. At this point, it's all go, right? And, you know, this is the first time that it's been only two teams, that the four drivers have only represented two teams. So it's kind of interesting that they both go into this with kind of this equal uh, vibe. And so I, I think that'll be interesting, too. But the drivers were asked today, you know, 
how much knowledge are you sharing with, you know, how much is Chase sharing with Kyle Larson, his teammate? Well, they're talking about things now, but when the, when the flag drops, they're all for themselves. It doesn't matter if they're the same team or not. Speaking of for himself, uh, Brad Kozlowski was ended up fifth, I guess, in the in the standings, and and he uh, was trying real hard to to qualify, and he got in a little dust up with Kyle Busch at the end of Martinsville. Uh, uh, what happened there? Well, it, it was a typical Martinsville race where they were racing really hard at the very end, and I think Kyle felt like Brad had nothing to gain if Kyle had finished, you know. In front of Martin Truex, this would have been a whole different story, or or I shouldn't say in front of him, but certain positions ahead. And I think it just came down to Kyle didn't like the fact Brad was racing him like that when mathematically Brad really stood less of a chance for getting in. Well, Kyle was expressed his uh, a, a displeasure with Brad Kozlowski in a, an inflammatory interview that got him some trouble for words that I can't repeat here on the air, but I think you know what they right. are. I thought, yeah. Kurt, I thought Kurt Busch was the hothead in that family. <laughs> Kurt's like the, the chill zen man at this point. I mean, <laughs> there was a time where he was, but he certainly is not. In fact, I was interviewing him this week on the phone. Uh, this will be the last race weekend for Chip Ganassi Racing, which he races for. And Chip Ganassi's been in the sport for 20 years and, and in fact, is the person that hired Kyle Larson and who Kyle raced for for several years. And this will be Chip's last weekend. And I was talking to Kurt about it, and I was laughing. I said, man, you are so mild and easygoing now. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> You're right. Guy? The brothers have swapped. <laughs> is Kyle Busch in trouble? He uh, is in trouble for using uh, the word that he did. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah, is he in trouble for that? That's what I meant. Yeah. Well, he's going to go to sensitivity training, and he <laughs> he should not use the word that he did. Get a so timeout. Gonna, <laughs> yes, he's going to timeout with a little extra. So he will work on that, and, and he knows, and he apologized right after he did. You know, this is – this is hard. They put microphones, and I do it as well as a reporter. We get those guys literally after they climb out of the car and the minute they take their helmets off. And and sometimes they haven't had a chance to chill. Holly, I wanted to ask you, um, what, why is the Phoenix race the last race? Was there a strategy behind that for NASCAR? Well, I think they wanted to get the West Coast involved, and they spent – you know, a couple hundred million dollars refurbishing the Phoenix track. And it's absolutely wonderful. It has all these great amenities for the fans. And they, they literally swapped the track around where the front, the old front stretch is now the new back stretch and did a whole thing. And I think NASCAR just wanted to share in that. So they're giving them the opportunity to, to host the finale and, and let people see where all that money and improvement and, and all the amenities went. Holly, we really appreciate you joining us tonight, interrupting your dinner to join us tonight. That's, that's uh, so so great of you. I, I, but I, I just have one more question. It's about the uh, they've published next year's schedule. It doesn't look like it starts at Daytona. Am I wrong about that? Does it start in Las Vegas? Well, it, actually, they're having, if you remember, it used to be called the Bush Clash. And the Clash is going to be out in the Rose Bowl, out in, uh, in California. And they're going to start there. And it's a non-points race anyway, but they're going to do that. And, and it's, you know, a couple weeks before the Olympics starts and all sorts of great things going on and, um, and, and, and stuff like that. So I think they wanted to just go out West and, and allow the, allow the West coast to see how things are. So they're going to do that. I mean, and I mean, I'm not the Olympics, the Super Bowl. I'm sorry. 
it's a, a you know a couple weeks before the Super Bowl. So there's a lot of great energy that they expect to be out west. They're going to do it there, and then they'll come back and start the season with the Daytona 500 and, and of course, the two qualifying races prior to that. Well, I know that'll be an exciting time with all that going on, and, and uh, we'll be looking forward to uh going forward to talking to you about that and thank you so much for all the coverage you gave us this season we look as we look ahead towards next year as well alex specifically wanted me to make sure to say hello to you tonight <laughs> and uh, uh it's just uh, so appreciate you being on the show holly thank you so much thank you for having me give alex my best i know she's doing awesome at usf and uh maybe we can talk after the race is done this week so i uh, look forward to that thanks for having me oh absolutely holly thank you all right, the great Holly Kane. We really appreciate her being with us and sharing her knowledge and expertise with us. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe, Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Hi, everyone. This is Jimmy Giles, former Pro Bowl tight end for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone. The Ozone. Talk Radio 96.7. We're talking sports with Ronnie Owen. Coach Joe brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors, turning scrap metal into cash, and by Going 406. They let you swing for the fence. All right, Ronnie Owen, Coach Joe back in the ozone. And I know right now you're sitting there. You're hovering over your phone. You're dialing finger itches. Your stomach is growling. You can't wait. For that $30 gift certificate to Miller's Lakeland Ale House. All right, I'm hungry. I'm All right. Hungry. Do hungry. not invite the Clarkster. You have been warned. What? All right. Here you go. We're going to feed the hungry one person at a time. Here's your sports quiz. If you haven't won in the last six months and you know the answer, give us a call at 682-1430. Where did Dan Mullen previously get his head coaching job his first head coaching job, what university did he coach at before he came to the University of Florida as the head coach? 682-1430. That's 682-1430. And you could have that $30 gift certificate to Miller's Lakeland Ale House. Coach Joe and I have been out there multiple times. We went out, what, two Saturdays ago and watched games. And, man, it was so exciting. Those 40 strategically located television sets. Man, we almost got whiplash looking around and uh, watching different games and getting excited. Hey, look over here. Oh, no, no, they just scored over there. Look at that. They had them lined up for us, you know, uh, basically uh, starting if you just look to your left and you could sort of scan across the wall and you saw six or seven games. They were all going on at the same time, different games. And we were able to keep track of all of them. And they were all, most of them were pretty exciting, too. There, there was some great stuff going on. Oh, uh, no doubt about it. We heard it. from Don last week on, on the quiz. He didn't get the answer right, so he's eligible this week. I, I did, Just so for our listeners who were listening last week, the correct answer was Warren Moon. He named four quarterbacks, which one hadn't been to a Super Bowl. And it, the answer was Warren Moon. He came close with Houston, but uh, you might remember he was the quarterback who gave up the 35-3 to lead at Buffalo when he That's was with right. the Houston Oilers. Terry, how are you tonight? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? Fantastic. You hey, hungry Terry. and thirsty? I'm always hungry and thirsty. <laughs> all right. That's what we want to hear. What I wasn't quite sure. I, I, I think I won in, in early June or end of May. So I was trying to figure out if it's six months or not, but I think it's pretty close. Let's get the abacus out. Now nah, you'll be all right. I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where did Dan Mullen previously have a head coaching job before he came to Florida? Uh, Mississippi State. That's exactly right. 
You don't have any cowbells over there with you, do you? Uh, no, but if I did, I'd ring them. <laughs> you know, I've been there a couple times, and they have these big signs that say, no artificial noisemakers, no cowbells, but they don't enforce <laughs> know, that's, it. That's a classic, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, they do not yeah, enforce it. I have been it. there. I, I have been there a couple times. Mississippi State. I had a buddy who was uh, dean of architecture there at Mississippi State. So They just had that big win over Kentucky last week. So uh, Mississippi State's better yeah. than, than they uh, we think. But, you know, Mike Leach is a pretty good coach. Hey, I really thought Kentucky – Bit the bullet on that one. I thought, geez, no way are they going to lose in Mississippi State. I mean, to me, that makes Mullen look even worse. Than <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> well, yeah, Kentucky sort of faded away, uh, didn't they? After uh, they, and yeah, you know, they weren't yeah. really that good. The Gators just blew that game with undisciplined yeah, play. Yeah. I mean, the Gators have been Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. So. I think it's because of uh, of young players' lack of experience. I, I I think there's I think there's something there, though. And despite the fact that we haven't been recruiting as well as Alabama and Georgia, I don't think the Gators are as bad off as it seems. What do you think, Terry? Well, to be honest, uh, for a while I thought it was purely the defense. I thought you know, uh, Grand, what's his name, Grand Grantham, or whatever, Grantham. But uh, the more like last week against Georgia. It really wasn't the, the defense that gave it up. It was the offense giving, you know, those easy points to them. So the defense didn't really play that badly. So No, they uh, didn't. I think, it, I think it obviously hurts. We lost a lot of good people last year. but uh, And we just don't seem to have that real good, like, uh, who do we have? Uh, was it Pitts? Kyle Pitts? Yeah. And then also, uh, who's Kadarius the Tony. Jets? Yeah, both those guys were game breakers. And we don't seem to have anybody like that this year. No, we don't. There, so, there doesn't seem to be anybody that's got that wiggle and the speed that you need to break games open. And uh, that really is a concern because it doesn't look like they're, anybody they're recruiting is going to fill that role. So it's going to yeah. be very difficult. Um, if you know, I think Mullen's going to have to win at least three of these remaining four games. or there's going to, That seat's going to get pretty hot. Yeah, and I hate yeah, to see that as a Gator fan because yeah, you change yeah. coaches. I think and, he's a good coach. Yeah. So, and I'm I think not he's sure. De- there's, definitely. So. I'm not sure there's that much out there that would be better than him. Right. To be honest, so, no, I mean, you no, throw names I out agree. there, but most of them are unavailable. Yeah, I don't. Uh, well, you know, I don't know if you read that article in the paper the other day where it was comparing the same time he got hired, other people who got hired. Exactly. Not every single one of them. Yeah. You know, was no was nothing. So. Oh, for sure. No, no doubt. We were just talking about that with Tennessee earlier. And, you know, Chip Kelly and, and Scott Frost. Well, Scott Frost is about to get fired. And Chip yeah. Kelly is, is oh. happy to spin his wheels at UCLA and, and be just mediocre. Yeah. So we're, I think we yeah, got – I, I mean, Frost, Frost to me is the biggest disappointment. I mean, that's a homegrown Nebraska boy and, and not to do – he would have thought he would have walked in there on like walking on water and he would have gotten every big farm boy around there. I mean – I used to live in Nebraska, and, and uh, I mean, when Nebraska was in its prime, and uh, I mean, they lived and died Nebraska football out there. But he's either he's not doing a very good job of recruiting, or you know, all the good Nebraska kids are going, you know, some other place. So. Yeah, that's the biggest problem. When they move to the Big Ten, they they're just getting swallowed up there. Uh, they're not getting the players they used to. Who did they play this week? Michigan. 
Is it uh, Nebraska, Michigan, or uh, Ohio State? I'm trying to remember that. Not, it might sure. be Michigan. It, you know, one of the problems they have is there's so few really top-notch players. It's not a populous state. And so as a result, you know, they, they have to go out of state to get their players. Yeah. And I know oh, it yeah. seemed like to yeah. me like Tom Osborne, you know, he kept losing to Miami and FSU and teams with greater speed from the south. And it seemed like he sold his soul to the devil bringing in you know, like the Lawrence Phillips kind of guys in there, and you know they. Yeah. Well, he got he got a fair amount of JUCO guys. Yeah, and of course Johnny Rogers at the time, because I remember seeing Johnny Rogers play. Johnny Rogers was basically uh, an older version of the juvenile delinquent, and I think he finally <laughs> ended up being a, a decent guy. But at the time, uh, he came from the real bad part of Omaha. What about Rich uh, Glover? I, Where was he from? Uh, he was Nebraska. Was he? But, oh, where he was actually from? Uh, I don't think he was a local boy. I think he may have been California, but I'm not positive about yeah. that. But he was a good ball player. Unfortunately, we're running out of time. Um, if you'll hang on the line, Eric yeah. will get your information, and we'll send it out to the alehouse, and you can go out there as soon as tomorrow. You ever been out there before? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's one of my favorite places. Uh, awesome. Halfway. Halfway reasonably priced and, and good. Well, if you're out there at noon on Saturday, Nebraska's playing Ohio State, and I'm sure that game will oh, be on. <laughs> they're getting beat by them. Oh, man. Yeah. All right. Well, congratulations, and thank you so much hey, for thank listening. thank you very really much. Appreciate I appreciate it. it. Good job, Terry. Be sure, be sure and hang on the line, Terry, and uh, right. Eric will get your information. Don't take him to eat with you because he'll also get your meal. So you don't want Eric going okay. out there to eat with you. <laughs>